Thank all of you for taking part in worship. We thank our choir and thank our praise team and thank all of you here worshiping and those hopefully prayerfully anywhere else joined in our worship today through YouTube and Facebook. If you brought your Bibles, please turn to the book of Matthew, first book in the New Testament. Matthew, we're going to look at chapter 28, Matthew chapter 28, familiar passage, verses 18 through 20, and then we'll turn over to 1 Peter chapter 3, and I'll read some verses there. So if you're physically able, if you would, please stand out of reverence and respect for God's infallible, inerrant, inspired word, and we'll look at Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. Jesus speaking, some red letters here, if you noticed, if you have a red letter edition. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Then if you would look at 1 Peter. 1 Peter, we want to look at chapter 3, verses 3 through 9. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 3 through 9. Verse 3 says this, Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lust, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Verse 5, For this they willfully forget that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. Verse 7, But the heavens and the earth which are now preserved by the same word are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but he is long-suffering. Now, you may have a translation that says he's patient. means the same. He is patient. He's long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity we've had to come and worship you now to open your word. Allow your Holy Spirit to speak to us, I pray. Give me the words to say, the right spirit to say them in. And Father, may you be honored today as your word touches our heart. Help us not only to be hearers of your word, but be doers of your word. Help us this morning, we pray. As you speak to us, help us to be willing to act upon your word. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. This morning I'm going to share a scripture that I've entitled, The Pulse for Evangelism. The Pulse for Evangelism. 
Matthew 28 and 1 Peter chapter 3. Sometime back, I read an article entitled, Hell's Sobering Comeback. Hell's Sobering Comeback. And this article stated that 78% of the people that were polled believe there is a heaven. 60% that were polled believed that there is a hell. 78 said, I believe there's a heaven. 60% says, I believe there's a hell. 91% of evangelicals believe there is a heaven. And 80% of evangelicals believe there's a hell. Recently, I had someone to ask me, what is an evangelical and are we evangelicals? Well, we are evangelicals. Let me give you a definition of evangelical. It's a good definition. Evangelicalism refers to those who believe that the essence of the gospel consists of the doctrine of salvation by grace alone, solely through the faith in Jesus' atoning death. Let me say that again. Evangelicals believe that the essence of the gospel consists of the doctrine of salvation by grace alone, solely through faith in the atoning death of Jesus. Evangelicals believe in conversion or a born-again experience in receiving Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of their life. Evangelicals believe in the authority of the Word of God as God's revelation of Himself to mankind. We believe, as evangelicals, we believe the Bible is inspired of God, breathed out from God. We believe that the Bible is infallible, meaning it's incapable, incapable of making a mistake. We believe the Bible is inerrant. We believe that it has no error whatsoever. And so evangelicals also believe there is a place called heaven. And we also believe there's a place called hell. Now why do we believe that? We believe that because the Bible says there's a place called heaven and there's a place called hell. However, 91% of referred evangelicals believe in heaven, but only 80% believe in hell. Evangelicals, the ones I just mentioned, who we relate to, we are evangelical church. We believe salvation comes by grace alone through faith in the Lord Jesus, atoning death. We believe in the inerrancy of the Scripture. We believe the Bible is the inspired Word of God, the infallible Word of God, the inerrant Word of God, and we believe there's a heaven, we believe there's a hell. But 91% who refer to themselves as evangelicals believed in heaven, and 80% believed in hell. 81% of church members, you poll church members, the poll was just church members, they believe in heaven. 67% believe in hell. 46% of non-religious people, non-religious, believe in heaven. 36% believe in hell. And so when they were asked about their chance of going to heaven, or their chance of going to hell, the poll showed this. Evangelical said they had an 88% of going to heaven, and they had a 3% of going to hell. The non-religious said they had 61% chance of going to heaven and they had a 9% chance going to hell. So the point is this, we live in a world today, we live in a society today 
The world in which we live now believe in heaven, but they do not believe in hell. However, Jesus spoke, Jesus spoke more about hell than he did heaven. Luke 16, the rich man lifted up his eyes in, in hell. Revelation 20, whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. The point is, hell hasn't gone anywhere. Hell is, hell it always existed, and it exists today. However, I'm afraid that as individual believers and as churches, we have failed to warn people of this dreadful place called hell. And in doing so, we failed to tell them about a beautiful place called heaven. We have failed to warn them of a place called hell. That's why Matthew 28, 19, and 20 should be one of our top priorities as an individual believer and also as a church, a body of believers. We have been commissioned, we've been given, now listen, we have been given the commission by our Lord himself to, as we go throughout our day, day by day, we're to make disciples, followers of Jesus, of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and then teach them all things that Christ has taught us. That's the commission. So the first priority of the church should be evangelism. That should be our first priority, reaching people with the gospel of Jesus. So we're to evangelize personally, one-on-one, as we go into the marketplace, as we go to school, as we go to the job, as we go in the commute, wherever we're to go, we're to, attract, we're to evangelize, share the gospel with people. That's what Christ wants us to do. We're to evangelize personally, and we're to evangelize missionally, meaning we have local missions that we tell people about Jesus. We have, uh, we're fixing to receive an offering for the North American Mission Board uh, that, to take care of our missionaries in North America and Canada. We have association missions, group of churches, 35 in Franklin County, whose whole point for existing is to tell people about Jesus Christ. We have international missions. Why? To tell people about Jesus Christ around the world. This morning, uh, I took my blood pressure. I take my blood pressure before church, and I take my blood pressure after church. Now, let me back up a little. No, that's not, that's not me. <laughs> Thank you, Craig. And, and I find out that my blood pressure, my heart rate was normal, but here's the problem. The problem is, oftentimes we have so de, de, we have so de-evaluated uh, evangelism that our pulse for evangelism has gotten weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker. We personally and as a church. How is your pulse rate in regards to evangelism? Telling people about Jesus. You say, well, Brother Sammy, I'm just going to leave that to the preachers. No, God says no. 
you and I, we all go and make disciples. Make disciples. Teach them, tell them, evangelize them, and then baptize them and teach them everything that Christ has told us. So what do we truly prioritize as a church? Point number one, if you're taking notes. What do we truly prioritize as a church? Well, I got thinking about that. We never meet week after week without singing. We never meet without praying. Praying and singing, that's good. We come to church on Sunday. We have singing, we have praying, we have preaching. We have uh, small group classes, Bible fellowship, adults and children and youth. We emphasize children, we emphasize youth, we emphasize adults, we try to include everyone. We prioritize those things. And the result is that we're consistent in doing them. We're consistent in singing, we're consistent in praying, we're consistent in teaching the Bible here to the adults and to the children and to the youth. We're consistent in doing those things. So what do we prioritize? We... We prioritize those things that I mentioned. But what, number two, if you're taking notes, what did Jesus tell us to prioritize? Jesus tells us to prioritize Matthew 28, 19 through 20. That's the Great Commission. That's the Great Commission, the Great Command for us to go as we go to share with people in and around our community at the grocery store, Walmart, Sonic, I mean, wherever we go, to share with them and take time to speak with them about their relationship with the Lord. So Jesus tells us to prioritize the Great Commission. Now, the commission is a mandate. If it's a mandate, therefore, we should, it should be a priority in our lives. And when it's a priority in our lives, it'll, be a, it'll become a priority for Mountain View Baptist Church because Mountain View Baptist Church consists of the people of God who have prioritized the Great Commission. So when we get our act together, then you'll see the church. Its top priority will be evangelism. So today... We need, to, we need to repent, we need to admit, we need to confess that for many of us, we have this low pulse rate concerning evangelism. And because we do, in real life, it, our real life doesn't match up in what Christ has called us to be. He's called us to be an evangelist. Evangelists, those that share the Word of God. Now, you have your professional evangelists. I mean by that, you have your, um, uh, your, you have your, uh, your occupational, you should, would say, evangelists. That's, uh, they're called, to, there's some called to be evangelists. But then God expects all of us to be able and be willing to share the gospel. So if we're honest with ourselves, as we look deep inside our hearts, deep inside our church, the pulse of our personal evangelism, our corporate evangelism, is pretty faint, and it seems to beat at a slower and slower and slower and slower rate, perhaps, than it once did. So what do we prioritize as a church? What did Jesus tell us to prioritize as a church? And number three, what are the... What are the warning signs or the symptoms of a believer or a church that's losing their pulse for evangelism? 
How do you know if you're losing that pulse for evangelism? I'm going to list three things real quick. Now, let me put it this way. What causes our personal evangelism pulse not to match what Jesus called us to do? Now, maybe some of you in here and, and you're matched up you know, with what Jesus has called us to do. But if you're not matched up with what Jesus has called us to do, and that's to share the gospel with people, what's some warning signs? First of all, we may be in a state of denial. We may be in a state of denial. We seem to be in a state of denial. You know, when, some, when a person knows, well, it's kind of like, uh, we're, we're like the person who knows something's wrong in their body, but they refuse to go to the doctor. I mean, you kind of think something's going on, but you really just refuse to go to the doctor. And so that person continues to live just a normal life, and all the while their sickness is getting worse and worse and worse and worse because they haven't gone to the doctor. I read recently where 80% of Americans avoid preventive medical care. 80% of Americans avoid preventive medical care. The same article said 9 out of 10 millennials avoid seeing a doctor annually. 9 out of 10. Now why is that? The article stated because they don't take care of themselves or prioritize doctor visits because at this point in their life, they don't care enough or see the benefits of taking care of their body. I mean, they're young, perhaps, and they feel good, and there's no need of me going to the doctor. So listen, why doesn't our evangelism pulse match what Jesus called us to do? One thing, we're in denial. We have a complacent attitude. Jot that down. P- complacent attitude. We have this complacent attitude. We're kindly, this goes along with denial. We're kindly smug in ourselves. We're kindly self-satisfied the way we are. I don't need to go to the doctor. I'm good. I'll be okay. Same way with evangelism. I'm fine. I'm okay. I'm self-satisfied with the way that I am. So we have this complacent attitude, smug and self-satisfied about evangelism. And so the point is, followers of Christ who don't share their faith may avoid doing so because they just don't care. Just don't care. Who cares? i got other things to do besides share the gospel. They just don't care. They don't care, and when they don't care, they don't care about people. And you say, well, Brother Sammy, that's, that's a real harsh thing to say. Well, what else would keep you from sharing about Jesus with those that are around you that are dying and going to hell if it's just you don't care? Complacency, denial and complacency. What causes our personal evangelistic pulse to drop? are not to match what Jesus has called us to do, denial, self-satisfied, complacent, just don't care. Something else, jot this down, number three, fear. Found out this to be true. Fear, afraid of what it, what it might cost us. It might cost us some time, 
It might cost us time, time or time in general, time to pray, time to visit, time to prepare for the visit. It might cost us something. It might, the outcome may not be what we think it might be. Might, we might be afraid that it won't work when we share with someone. We, it might, we might be afraid that we might not know an answer or a question that's asked us. You know, I may not know what they'll ask me. It might be I'm, I'm afraid I'll lose a friend if I share the gospel with him or her. Or it may be I don't want to be embarrassed. And so fear has a lot to do with us not sharing the gospel. Many times we'll keep our mouth shut because we're just afraid. We're afraid. We're afraid because we treasure our own comfort and our own identity more than being obedient to God. We're just afraid. And we'd rather be afraid than be obedient to God. You say, well, Brother Sammy, I just, I don't know how to share. Well, your pastor and your church, it's our responsibility to teach you how to share where you can be obedient to the Lord. That's my responsibility, our church's responsibility. And so God is saying today, the complacency that you're living with was never part of my plan for your life. If you're complacent about sharing the gospel, God said, That's, that never was my plan for your life. If you're afraid to share the gospel, the fear you're experiencing, God says, that didn't come from me. If you're afraid to share the gospel, that fear didn't come to, from me. And God said, but that fear is keeping you from being obedient to me. It's keeping you from living in my will. So pay real close attention to the warning signs of why your pulse rate for evangelism is not what it should be. It could be denial. It could be just complacency. It could be you're afraid of this and afraid of that and afraid of this. God says, hey, it's not me causing you to be afraid. So why, what, do we, what do we prioritize as a church? What did Jesus tell us to prioritize? What are the signs or symptoms of a person or a church losing their evangelistic pulse? And I'm going to close with this real quick. God, number four, God has been patient, but time is short. God's been patient, but time is short. Now, when you read 2 Peter 3, we read that a few minutes ago. Go back and read 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 3 through 9. And when you read 2 Peter 3, Peter was challenging the believers there to, to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he warned the church in those verses of false teachers that were discouraging the people from believing the promises of God. Now, remember, he was writing to people who were already following Jesus. You got to keep that in mind. Writing people who were believers, writing the people who were following Jesus, warning them of scoffers, warning them that was warning there were some in the church that were discouraging people of the promises of God. Therefore, perhaps his message wasn't all intended to be to those who were unbelievers, but his primary message in verses three through nine was meant to be for the believers that he was speaking to. Now, when you look at that passage of Scripture, 
there's one word that sticks out. Long-suffering, long-suffering. Our um, long-suffering, patience. Your translation may say patience. He was, there's one word, sticks out, patient. Peter's saying God is demonstrating his patience, not with unbelievers as such, but with the church. Now, he's patient with unbelievers, that's true, but he, Peter's saying he's been, he's been patient, he's been long-suffering with the church. Now, let me paraphrase this and what God could be saying to the church. Church, the day of judgment is coming. It's going to happen when God is ready. But in the meantime, just know that God's been patient with you, Mountain View. He's been patient with your effort, or he's been patient with your lack of effort in sharing the gospel. But now's the time to get to work because the time is short. And I don't want anyone to go to hell. I want everyone to repent and be saved. So it's not so much as God being patient with the lost person, but God was being, impa- God was being patient with the believers because they were, he was long-suffering with them in getting the gospel out. Have you ever been waiting in line for a long time, a long while? I mean, you may be waiting in line at, if you went to Walmart, you've waited in line before. Wait in a long line at, at a, for a checkout or wait in a long line at an amusement park for a ride. Wait in a long ri- a line at a funeral home. You know, you go to a funeral home and the, wi- the line just winds around the wall. And you're standing there in line. All of a sudden, you just begin to daydream. The long line. You just daydream or maybe you're waving at people over here, speaking to people that are around you. All of a sudden, you're just kind of jolted back to your, your present sense. And... And the line, there's a big gap in the line from you to the other person. You ever had that to happen? And while you thought you were waiting, everyone else, while you thought you were waiting on everyone else, everyone else waiting on you. And they're waiting on you. You you think you're waiting on everyone else. You look up and there's this long gap. and, And lo and behold, everybody's waiting on you to step up, to move forward. The point says... As believers, we can find ourselves impatiently waiting on Christ to return. But according to 2 Peter 3, 8 through 9, God is waiting on us. He's waiting on us to obey His command, His commission, the Great Commission. And He says, if you'll obey the commission, when you obey the commission, that day, the day he set aside, he's going to return. He'll return and he'll come. And so this morning, how's your pulse rate for evangelism? What do we prioritize? Those things we're consistent in. Singing and studying the Bible and ministering to children and ministering to our youth. Praying, worshiping. We're consistent in those things because we do those things. What did Jesus tell us to prioritize? The Great Commission. 
the great command. That's what he says is important. What are the signs and symptoms of a person or a church losing that evangelistic pulse? God's been patient, but time is short. And so this morning's invitation to you who, who need to be saved, remember hell hasn't gone anywhere. You need to cry out today really for Jesus to forgive you and to save you and come into your life. And you give your life to Him and you live for Him while you have opportunity. There are some here this morning who profess that Christ is Lord. So we need to come today, if that be the case, and confess and repent. I have. And said, God, my pulse rate is not what it once was. It's kindly been... It's kindly gone down than what it was. My pulse rate for evangelism. And so today, God, I, I failed you in making evangelism one of my top priorities. I repent of that sin, whether it be because of denial and complacency or fear, or I'm just not been trained. I'm sorry, and I ask you to forgive me. That's what God is asking for us, or of us. So today, God has asked you to to come and be saved, perhaps, or as a believer to repent for not putting evangelism top priority among your top priorities, God being one of those. Asking us to, to be willing to, you know, we put ping pong balls in who's your one. We try to put a little thing in the announcement sheet every, every, every week to remember to pray for who's your one, who's your one that you're praying for. Maybe you've forgotten to pray for them in a while. This is a good time to renew that commitment. And then pray for a revival effort that Mountain View Baptist Church will truly experience revival where evangelism will be our top priority, seeing people come to Christ. See people come to Christ, then we're able to disciple them and teach them to teach other people how they can become believers also. And you can see how God can really use people and use His church. Let's have a word of prayer. Well, Father, I thank you for a time that I've had just to, to share this morning. And I got the message, Father, that we uh, as a church, as a whole, we need, to, uh, we need to go back to the first things that we did in sharing the gospel with people. And Father, let that be our top priority. And then as they come to Christ, that we disciple them and teach them to understand all the things that you've taught us. And Lord, where they too can uh, uh, present the gospel, share the gospel, and, Lord, lead someone to a saving faith in the Lord Jesus. Help us, Father, we pray, to get our priorities straight individually. And, and when we do that individually, we'll see the church come together and that being the priority. Help us, we pray, to, to pray sincerely every day for you to put someone in our path that we can share the gospel with, build a relationship with, just a simple invitation to come to church to worship and to hear your word. I thank you for what you're going to do in our invitation time. Speak to our hearts, Lord, as you've dealt with us this morning. May we humble our hearts and be obedient to what your spirit would have us to do. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.